Uh, you know, really what happened, this sort of interesting, uh, there was a couple different experiences, but the one that's really the biggest was I, I was in the Tressler Mennonite Church, and they had the evangelist in. I was 12 years old, and Delmer Slayball went forward, and the guy had preached a really good sermon, and I thought, boy, I think, I think this is the time I need to do this, you know, because I'd always been raised in the church. So, but when I went forward, all of a sudden, it's like the rain of heaven come down on me, and I saw all these Asian people in front of me. I somehow knew they were Chinese. It was like I was 12, and they were like 9 or 10, and I was preaching to them. And uh, when I shared it in college, you know, that I, really, I knew I, I knew it meant Jesus. I'd always been very God conscious. I remember even being younger, just singing, probably maybe eight years old, and just thinking about God and walking into heaven. So I was always very God conscious. But somebody told me in college that, Dale, that's not just something you th thought in your imagination. Someday you're going to preach in China. And 40 years after my salvation, when I turned 52, I actually was landing in Beijing to preach in China, realizing my voice had already been there through Bible school. So that was sort of, uh, that was my salvation, then awakening in the spirit to what even my salvation was. Can't guarantee I had the answers. I'm just so I want to ask you a question, first of all. How many of you are, you feel that your number one gift is prophetic? Is like, it's your number one gift? It's up there. One, okay. Up there. How many of you, uh, how many of you feel like intercession or prayer is your number one gift? Okay. Let me just say this. You cannot be an intercessor without being prophetic. Mm. You have to be because you have to actually have to hear what God's saying to know what to pray. And have you ever noticed when you start praying better than you can pray? That's really God praying through you. Wow. Okay. How many of you, you feel like your number one gift is teaching? Okay. Okay. I want to just say this. You cannot be a teacher without being prophetic because you can read the same scripture over and over again. And until God speaks to you, you actually don't know what it means. And actually, have you ever studied for, to give a teaching? And then when you get ready to teach, it's better than you've studied. So that teacher is now teaching through you. And that's very prophetic. Okay. Am I helping people to understand what I think the prophetic is? Yeah. Okay. Uh, is there anybody in here that's pastoral? You give counseling and advice. You're, you're number one. Anybody else a counselor? Yeah. Have you ever been amazed that when you start counseling somebody, you actually tell them things you sort of knew but you didn't know, and you didn't ever said it that way before? And actually, you can feel the anointing while you're giving the counsel. See, so. That is not your counsel. That's the counsel of the Father coming through you. It's very prophetic. Okay, so how many of you have ever had, we've prayed and God has answered your prayer? Now, this is, this is the deal. If he answered your prayer or told you what to do, that's very prophetic. Because uh, the, the, what we've done is we've made the prophetic be for the Lord would say unto you, and, and what it is, really, the prophetic is when his voice is in your voice. Yeah. Yeah. Now, pathetic is when your voice is in your voice. <laughs> how many of you have ever, how many of you have said something, and after you're done, you say, I actually do not agree with what I just said. You know, that God, this is not approved by heaven. This was my opinion. I don't, I don't even agree with what I just said, you know. Um, 
But one of the things that I find, I will tell this to people, sometimes I have to give voice to what I'm thinking to actually judge what I'm thinking. Because I'll speak it, and then if my spirit does not bear witness to it, I pitch it. But uh, it's interesting, you can think, but until you speak, you can't label your thoughts. In other words, so like, like I will tell people if they can't make a decision, we'll just speak it out to somebody. And actually, as you speak it out, you'll feel the anointing or the lack of anointing or the uncertainty. I, I, I'll just share this one little story. The man, there was a man old enough to be my father, literally. He's now with the Lord. But uh, he was with me and uh, he had been a very uh, successful businessman in Baltimore. And he said, I want, to, uh, I want to start a church, but I don't think I'm ready yet. So what do you say, Dale? I just looked at him and said, he said, uh, I said, you're not ready yet. And he looked at me like, well, who are you to tell me that I'm not ready? And I, I, didn't, I didn't say anything. And so a year later, he said, Dale, I am ready to start that church. And I said, you know what? You're ready. Go ahead. And he gets up and tells a story. He said, I don't know why. You know, I mean, Dale's young enough to be my son. And he told me not to start a church. And I didn't. And I waited a whole year later. I just couldn't believe it. All I did was tell him what he told me. So, so in it, like if somebody comes to you and they say, you know, I'm not really sure if I should marry this person. What do you think? What you have to say is, you know, I really am not sure this is God at all. Well, why would you say that? <laughs> Don't ever make decisions for people. Because they'll blame you and people will come want you to give them an answer. And I call it lazy Christianity. God will never give such a prophetic uh, direction that you will not have to apply faith, wisdom, or timing. And, and a, a lot of times, <clears throat> prophecy that fails is not that the prophecy wasn't right, the word of the Lord, but the way they did it was unscriptural. Let me, let me just give you an example. It actually comes out of a book. I think that they said, where hath God said? You know, they were questioning, did God really say this? And, uh, and in it, the person who's writing this, to me, their prophetic roots were not very deep in this area. I haven't read the story, but it was told to me. This, so if, if there's something that's not right, then just... Uh, but basically what happened, this couple wanted to go to Mexico and... Uh, and uh, the pastors didn't feel they were ready. So a prophet comes in and prophesies to them this and that and said, and the Lord says, you're going to go to Mexico and start a work. So the pastor just went ahead and released them to go to Mexico. They went down there, ministered. It was a disaster. And uh, they it ended up falling all apart. They ended up divorced. And so the, 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 the observation was that this prophecy was not of God. Now, what's the problem with that observation? Huh? The pastor said, you're not ready. The fact the prophet said, you're going to Mexico is confirmation of direction. When the pastor says, you're not ready, that means Mexico waits until you're ready. You hear what I'm saying? Bishop Bill Hammond teaches this. 
Pastoral counseling is equal to a prophetic word. So if I have a prophetic word, but I don't have a pastor green light, I make that word wait. It's sort of like a carrot in front of the nut. You're going to go to Mexico, but you need to work on your marriage. The very thing the pastor was concerned about with Mexico or no Mexico was their marriage. So when you get a prophetic word, don't take a stupid pill. Don't ignore the other scriptures. Don't ignore the process. Does that help? Does that make sense? It's not that the word was not right. It just means they were not, they were not ready for the word to, to enter into it. And so if somebody says to me, well, the, um, the Lord has called me to the mission field and, and I had a dream and I see thousands of people getting saved and I'm ready to go in the mission field and they say, well, you know, I think you need to go to Bible school. And they say, well, people are going to hell right now. I have to go right now. Tell me what you know about your Bible. Well, not too much. Go to Bible school. God will send somebody else to cover it until you know a little bit more about Jesus. Because when you get out there, you're going to have to know more than you need to give your life, your heart to Jesus. There always are exceptions. But really, if you look in, if you understand in the Old Testament and even the New Testament, most of these people were Jewish uh, and they were trained in the scripture by the age of 12. So they had an up that we don't have with our kids. They actually were trained in the word of God. They memorized the word of God. For them to go into ministry, they had the background probably that what we would get through Bible school. That was in every kid. So you have to compare apples to apples. Does that make sense? So if you don't know the culture, um, any question, I'm just talking now. If you have a question, it's a good time. And there is no, there is no dumb question. Don't feel like uh, that I don't, wanna, I don't wanna ask a dumb question. I find that actually uh, Jesus actually, uh, he had some of the best questions that they were so good that sometimes they shut people up. Sometimes it caused his disciples to think Questions are really powerful. And sometimes you don't need to give a person a good answer. You need to give them a good question. Wow. That's true. I, I had a pastor once say to me, raise your hand because I'll keep talking and you have to just put your hand up and that means he'll move. I had a pastor that was really discouraged in ministry. And I, I, said, uh, I said, let me just ask you a question. If you had a million dollars, would you still be a pastor? He said, I don't think so. I said, then quit. Because if, if, it's just a, if it's just a job at this point, quit. Give the people a break. My God, give yourself a break. Go get a job and enjoy your life. If, if, but you know, really what it was, uh, he stayed with it. He's still pastoring, but his church suffered growth because he actually got tired of being a pastor. I know you think it could never happen, uh, but I've been there several times in my 35 years where I, like, I just felt like a failure. I felt like what I was doing wasn't working. Had my, some of my top leaders leave all at one time. And I thought, why, why train up other leaders? It didn't work. You know, and you, just, and you start to doubt your ability. Yet what I found is, if I was to look at the last three years of my life, there are major ministries through, prophetically that I've helped shift their whole ministry I don't even talk about it. It's private. It's personal. But at the right time, God would have me at the right person in the right conversation to say something to them 
that shifted their whole ministry, the way they did it. And uh, the book I wrote, and David perceived he was king. I have a lot of people, my age, older, younger, they said that it changed, it shifted them into another level. That's why I pushed the books. Uh, and I only have certain CDs out there. I only would sell what changed me. And I will just tell you this, whatever changes you will be the only tool you have to bring change to other people. If it didn't change you, you can't bring change to other people normally in that area. Does that make sense? I, I was never on drugs. I'm not very good at getting people off of drugs. But you can get a guy up who was on drugs, share his testimony. Somehow, it just seems other people get off of drugs. Uh, my, my greatest gift was not intercession. So I, but I intercede. If they be prophets, let them intercede. You have to. But, but there are people that their number one gift is intercession. They will take people into intercession in a way that I cannot. We don't have to be strong in every area to, and I'm, and I'm going to say this to you, you may not be a prophet, but God will speak to every Christian because it says what? My sheep, hear, hear my voice. Everybody, everybody do this for me. <laughs> you qualify to hear the voice of God on a daily basis. I'd rather be an anointed sheep than a rustic, crusty prophet. So, you, you, it's your birthright to hear your father's voice. Okay, so if you understand that one word from heaven can change everything. You have a question? Yep. I, saw your, I saw that hand. I thought you were stretching, but I saw that hand. Okay. How, 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 you, how young were you when you first heard the voice of God? How what? How young? Like, how young was I? You yeah. know, as I look back, uh, I'm going to tell you something. Some of you may not know who this is. Do you know, you know Laban Schwarzenberger? When I was about knee high to him, I don't know what I was doing. He looked at me. He said, when you grow up, you ought to be a pastor. When I was in Tressler Mennonite in the youth group, and that was the voice of God, I believe. I think when uh, it, it came to me very young, but I didn't understand it. Do you remember what Samuel the prophet said as a young boy? He was taught by Eli. He said, say, hear my Lord, your servant's listening. I think a lot of people hear the voice of God, but they don't know how to present themselves and how to interface. Let me just give you another, another thing on top of this. Do you know that, how many of you have ever been in a, a dream that's so real that you feel like it's, is this a dream or is this, is this life? Okay, do you, now, do you realize this, that when God uh, spoke, when Solomon said, uh, I don't want riches, I don't want long life, give me wisdom. Would somebody find that in the scripture? Just go there. If you, I know there's a Bible whiz in here somewhere. At least you have an iPhone. Look it up. And I want, how did that whole thing start? What, how was he talking to God? But God talked to him, but what was the method? Do you realize that this whole conversation was in a dream? It says, and he awoke from the dream. Isn't that what it says? Just check your Bible. What I'm saying is, some people, if you don't know this, that that whole conversation was in a dream. If you know this, if you get into a dream, 
and you're cognitive of this fact, you could start asking God things in the middle of your dream if it's that type. But if you don't know that's possible, you won't do it. Does that make sense? So going back to this, there were times like I remember being a little boy walking on a dirt road. It's just like it's so real to me. I was looking up and I felt like I could see people walking into heaven and I was in the middle of them in this vision. I wouldn't have called it that. I just thought it was my imagination. And I knew I had something with all these people dealing with something, all these people walking into heaven. I didn't understand it. In the church I attended, we didn't teach people that God really spoke to people. We didn't teach against it. We just had no opinion. It was, we, we sort of joke it. It was a, a not-for-profit church. Anyway, <laughs> it was a non-profit church. Anyway, so, <laughs> yeah. So we, the thing, the good part is we didn't teach against it because some churches will teach against it. So this is what I always say. You can go to a good Baptist church and they'll say this. I do not believe that prophecy is for today. Okay. But when I was 20 years old, God called me. I was going to go into business, but God called me. So I went into ministry and today I was going to preach on this, but the Lord told me to preach on that. They, because his, until he's Baptocostal, he can't say prophecy, but what I say, God directed me. I was going to take this job, but God told me to go there. And I was going down the road the other day and God brought somebody to my mind and I called them up and they started crying. I prayed for them. They started weeping. They said, God had you call me, but you really don't believe it. You think, oh no, I just, that wasn't you. That was his nudging. That was his leading. If I can have 15 minutes with any Christian, I can prove to them they've heard the voice of God. Actually, if you know John, the gospel of John, it says that if we do not come through that door, we heard another voice. We actually have to hear the voice of God to get saved. It might have been the preacher preaching, but we had to hear the voice of Jesus in that preacher that was drawing us in the midst of his words. Does that make sense to you? So if you don't hear his voice, you really couldn't be a sheep. Now, you may, you, you may say it differently. Like, let me just give you an example. One time, uh, how you minister to people that aren't not Baptocostal yet, they're just Baptists. But Baptists actually believe you hear the voice of God, but they cannot say the word prophecy. It's too long. <laughs> it's anti-denominational. But I'm going to tell you this. This is probably a fact. Probably in most of your fundamental Baptist churches, Presbyterian, you'd be surprised that maybe a fourth to a third speak in tongues, but they'll never tell their church because they'd lose their job. There is a movement and a swelling. I may not have my numbers. This is something that's hard to prove. But I know a lot of uh, people that I've heard that are spirit-filled will pray with fundamental preachers who speak in tongues and, and have large churches and the people have no idea. They will never do it publicly. So, so in it, there's a swelling of the Spirit of God among God's people. But I will guarantee you this, that any pastor that is anointed is actively hearing the voice of God. And so I'm not going to use the word prophecy. But I, I stopped one time. There was a woman who had a flat tire. And uh, if you have a question, remember, put up your hand. I'm just talking. And, uh, and she had, uh, and I, I thought, I'm going to stop and help her change a tire because... 
that could be my mother, that could be my daughter, and she's all by herself. And uh, she just happened to be African-American. She just happened to be Baptist. And the Lord gave me a word for her about favor. Now, I, I'm not going to look at her and say, well, Shandarabashi, I'm a prophet and I'm Pentecostal and I can see you're not. God help you. <laughs> Do you want tongues now? I didn't, you know what I did. So I thought, I thought to myself, I was very young, but I said, okay, Lord, I see favor. Or, and the Lord, the Lord took me to a scripture I knew. And what I did, I said, and I just said to her, listen, when I looked at you, this is a scripture that came to me. And that scripture held all of the word that I wanted to prophesy to her. And she received it. One of the things we have to remember, Jesus meets people where they live, not where he lives. That's why Jesus even came to earth. I I want you to think about this for a minute. I think I'm theologically right on this. Uh, You know, we say that Jesus defeated the devil at the cross. And that's true. But really, the truth is, Jesus defeated the devil when he tried to rise above God and they threw him out of heaven. He, he did not come down here to defeat him for himself. He already whooped him. So, but we know he defeated the devil for us in the flesh, but he already had round one and beat him up in heaven. I mean, sometimes we forget. So if he already beat him in heaven, but he comes in the flesh, he's coming back as the last Adam to win back what the first Adam lost. Are you following me? But he already won his round. Now he's coming to win our round and give authority back to us. Now, doesn't that give you another heavenly view? And I've never heard anybody say it like that, but everybody knows that the devil was cast out of heaven. How many know if, if, if somebody dwells in a sphere with you and you kick them out, that means you actually displaced them, you won. So, and, and so, you know, I would, uh, we, a question. I'm, I don't want to get into theology too far. Okay, I'll get into th- theology just a little bit. So Satan was cast out of heaven down to earth because he refused to worship God and to serve him. And God said, I, I'm not going to fight the devil. That's not even a match. He's a fallen angel. He's not a fallen God. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to have mankind. And if they'll praise me, the thing that he refused to do, they will defeat him. And I will raise up. I will not replace angel, another angel worship team, but I'm going to raise up a bride that will worship me. And they'll have victory over him when they worship me. And the devil's thinking, and if they would grumble, I get the victory over them. So every place where you praise God, you have victory. Wherever you grumble, you're losing. And one time I was, I was up in front of the church and, and uh, I was not happy the way things were going in the church. I don't, how many of you have ever been, you're not happy with the way things are going in your life, your marriage, your kids, or something. You're not even happy with you. And uh, <laughs> I always tell people, when I'm not happy with me, you're down the food chain, don't expect a lot. Uh, <laughs> but you know, if you're happy with yourself, you tend to be happier with other people. I, I really mean that, yeah. Love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor's praying you like yourself more. Anyway, it'll hit you on the way home. So the Lord said to me, 
He said, Dale, you're, uh, you're grumbling. And I said, I, I am not. I mean, you know, talking to God, you have advantages. And he said, well, you're mumbling, so you might as well just go ahead and grumble. It's the same thing. And what I was saying, God, why is this happening to me? Don't you see what I'm going through? Why? why I don't deserve this. I should have better. I know none of you have ever thought that. But. And, and, and God said, and he basically said to me, he said, I'm not going to change it until you worship me. Do you know why? There is a sense of entitlement. Well, I'm a Christian. I deserve it. Do you know what entitlement means? I, had, I was in Kansas City and this man who worked in, uh, uh, actually he was African-American and, he, and he, he, he worked, he was a high level, very intelligent man, worked with a lot of government programs, high up in management. And he said, you know what? He said, this is, and he, I'll never forget this. He said, you know what entitlement, what I found it means in people? He said, I work with it all the time, management. It means it's never enough. They always, their entitlement means it's never enough and I deserve more. Do you know that sometimes just simply being a Christian, we think, well, I deserve more. Well, are you believing for more? Well, no. Are you praising for more? No. Well, why do you, I'm a Christian. How many of you found resistance when you tried to get your children to clean their room? They, you, know, you know what their thought is? It's your house. You make the food. Wash my clothes. You should clean my room too. And when you make them clean the room, they think you're a terrorist. <laughs> and, and then you start, you start doing the capitalist movement. You offer them so much money. And they, what you did to avoid a spanking, they won't do for money. Your kids have an entitlement attitude. Like, and when I leave the house, you should give me a 20. Why? Because I'm your kid. You know, my son, he told me something. He said, Dad, it used to make me so mad. You would make me go out and pick up sticks. And we had about, about 70 trees on our property. That was a lot of stick picking up. And he said, but now that I have my own business, he said, I'm glad you did. He said, because when I go to hire people to help me, I realize some people have never worked a day in their life. And they don't even know how to do it. And I didn't realize I wasn't just picking up sticks. You were teaching me how not to be lazy. And, and you know, that if, if you can hang in there when they're mad at you at 10 11, they might come back and thank you when they're 30 or 40. It won't even happen at 20. They won't thank you at 20. I just. <laughs> Some of them, it might be 50. We don't know. It, 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 you know that scripture says when they're old, they'll not depart from the way. Old is the key. And that's not 20, sometimes even 30. <laughs> Don't give up on old. OK. <laughs> any, any other questions about hearing the voice of God or moving? Please just feel free. Yes. Just a minute. Put it on the mic so that we have. And also, I need your zip for the thing. My wife didn't get the zip. Oh, OK. Yeah. That. Um, just, I, I've been around a lot of prophetic people, um, and, the, and the way a lot of them move, it, it's, 
And I know God has told me I'm not to be like everybody else, that I'm to be me. Yeah. But I don't, I don't um, do the dreams. I don't, it, sometimes I don't feel like I hear God like everybody else. So how do, I, how do I bring myself into more to hearing God plainer than what I hear him? Okay. This is, I, I want to just come back and address. Do you know there are times that, like, I will see things and it comes to me in my imagination. Now, this is the deal. I can describe just what I saw uh, different ways. Let me just do a real. Let me just do a real prophecy, and let me explain to you how it works. Okay, okay. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to choose, and and I'm going to choose. What's your first name? Gloria. I'm going to I'm going to use her so you can watch. Gloria. Okay, Gloria. So what I'm doing, I'm choosing Gloria to give a prophetic word. Okay, you say, why? I just felt drawn. I don't know. I mean, you know, it could also be that she's closer and whatever. But I, I go with what I feel in my spirit. Now, this, this is very important. If you're looking to minister to people, you have to trust what's in your spirit, because every time I prophesy, I get more of God, but he also gets more of me. This is not a static gift. It's a it's an intimate, interrelating gift. It's not a learned profession. And when you start operating out of it, you'll start missing it. I don't care how good you are. If you lean into the gift without the giver, you're going to end up in a place you don't want to be. And so, but I, but because I'm asking God now, and, and I'm asking God for a real word and you say, well, what do you have? I actually have nothing. But you say, well, then how can you do that? Because I know he's the God that always has something. So I'm leaning into him, trusting him. Now, what, um, the first thing that comes to me was, is just a picture I felt like I saw her with this straw that was in her mouth and it was going, there is not a straw that you would buy that would be this long. And this straw, and if you want to record it, you can. If you can put it on your iPhone, or they, they have it recorded so you can get it from there. But this straw, it reminded me, it had, you know, like the white and the, the colors that it, but it was like about three feet long. And I could tell her head was turned to the right. Now I'm just telling you, and she's, and she's drinking uh, and it's going back. And I know it's going to something with water. I know it has to be a supernatural kind of drinking from the river of God. But it feels like she's looking over her right shoulder, which tells me it's something in the past. So that means to me, Gloria, that something and, and I don't know why it feels like this straw is about three feet. And God, I feel like God's saying it's like something from three years ago. That you're turning back something God did in you three years ago. You're to drink from that river again and to understand what he was doing is now starting to bud in a whole new way. Now, in this, I could present this three or four different ways. I could say, when I looked at Gloria, I saw it like a TV. And it started rolling and I saw this. It was like in front of me. How I describe it is my choice. How do you describe what works in your mind? 
You have a lot of freedom to describe it. What I prefer to say is it came to me as a thought. It came to me as a slight impression, a picture. Why? Because you won't prophesy until it's a TV. And how can you tell when it's a TV? Does that make sense? And in it, if I over describe it, I intimidate you that you don't really hear or see it. God. And the thing is, the guy that says it looks like a TV. If I looked at it in his mind, I might call that an impression. That is all opinion. That's all subjective. Because there is no TV in their brain. There is, but it could be that real, the impression. All I'm saying is, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that uh, they're not being honest. I'm saying it's very subjective in terms of how it works. For them, that's the way they would describe it. I would describe it as an impression. But yet, it's as clear as a picture that could be on a TV. Does that make sense to you? So I could say that and actually be truthful. But I won't say that because then it makes you doubt what I saw. It, it was sort of a faint impression. But see, to me, because I'm a, I'm a prophet, that faint impression actually becomes a TV to me. But I won't use those words. So what now, are you following what I'm saying? Now, in it... All of this, I really feel, operates on two different realms. First of all is my, or three, my intimacy with God, the Father. Number two, my desire not to prove that I have a gift, but to bless her. If you're trying to prove you have a prophetic gift, please leave the church. If you want to bless somebody, please stay. Now, there has to be a time that you, that God proves it to you. But if you're trying to prove it to somebody else, your motivation is wrong. Right. Just simply be. God will do the proving. You just be who you are. Does that make sense yeah. to you? Yeah. Okay. So as I'm looking at this, then I'm saying, when I see the three feet, I feel like the Lord says to me, obviously, she doesn't need to drink something three feet back. So it has to be the three is like a three year. So now, Gloria, I just want to ask you this. If you think back where it 19, 2016, did something, did something the Lord do something in your life like three years ago that you think about? Yes. What was it? Uh, let me just, let me just, here. Just, just real short. Just. Anything that happened. Three. That God spoke to you. That something that God spoke to you. Something that God spoke to me? Yeah. Or did, what happened, just tell me what happened three years ago. Just real short. You don't have to tell the story. Just was it something good or something bad? It was something bad. Okay. Okay. Now, okay. Now, I'm just going to stop there because I never, whenever I get something like this, um, I never ask people for details because I don't want to embarrass people. That's not the goal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, the thing is that I know is this. What I saw, the colors on this straw, they were not dark. They were like a celebration. And I feel that if I, if I, would, if I had time, Gloria, I could sit down with you. Yeah. But I feel like this. If you're drinking something three years ago, and normally whatever comes to a person's mind is God, because God's working in me, God's working on them. Right, right. So then what I do is I shift 
of, of this and say, okay, and I knew it could be a problem or a blessing. I've been around this long enough to know. But what I feel is this, that as you are looking at what is three years ago, God wants you to start drawing on the life of God over that event. And he wants you literally, because wherever there is an Isaac, you have to lay on the altar. There's always a ram in the bush. If God gives us, if there, if the devil gives us a problem, there was always an answer back there. And sometimes we have to tap back in to maybe, uh, and to, to drink when, in other words, it's not so much drinking the river from there, but as you think about that situation, being drinking from the river of God and say, it's not over. What happened three years ago, God's not done working with. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. So in it, what I find is what I see is always 100% accurate. My interpretation right. is not but I know what I see. And if I, when people come to me and say, well, this person had a prophetic word, they missed it. If I go to them and say, don't tell me what you think it meant. Tell me what you saw. I have not found a person who missed it in what they saw. They missed it in what they thought it meant. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, are you saying that nobody ever missed it? I'm not saying that. I'm saying I haven't found it. Right. And, and you have to understand uh, that when people get prophetic words, they start right away what they see. They start adding words and they make them uh, uh, together. But one of the things that I had, I had a, a very strong dream and I thought I knew what it meant. And I shared it with another major prophet. He interpreted the whole thing differently. He was way ahead of me. And what I realized, that's where the Bible says there's no private interpretation. So just because I have the vision or the dream doesn't mean I own the rights to what it means. So this is a part, what I'm saying to you, I feel this, that God, as you look back at that event three years ago, Gloria, that God is saying, and because a straw is relaxing and, and it's refreshing, and I feel like God said, I'm putting a refreshing anointing over what was three years ago. And now I just feel like God says, I want you just to prophesy. And I, I felt like this is now by faith, this... I feel like this next year, God is going to shift what happened three years ago. That you're just going to relax. You're not going to sweat. You keep drinking from the river of life and watch God do what only God can do. You say, well, why did you do that? Because my spirit felt like it. And my spirit is in God. And when I'm ministering to people, if I'm asking for bread, I'm not going to get a stone. I have to trust him. And in it, say, well, but, but. But what if you're not right? That's not my problem. I don't prophesy because I'm right. I prophesy because I'm life. You can never. How many of you know when you pray for somebody sick, when you pray for them for healing? You're not praying because of the end result. You're praying because God told you to. Okay. In it, how many of you know that somebody can read the Bible and not apply it, but they read the scripture, but they never lived it, and they can say, well, the Bible failed. Do you know just reading the scripture does not activate the Bible? You actually have to believe it. 
If I believe it and then I disobey in another realm, I can suffer loss. It has nothing to do with the Bible not being good. It has to be, I didn't keep on walking in the truth. I, I, I remember one time, I'll just share this story and, and just wrap up. If you have another question, does that make sense? Like I'm trying to walk you through it. So what I'm saying is, yeah, we're done. No, you have the imagination. It can be a gentle thought. It can be a soft picture. It is not a TV image that is in 4K OLED. Sometimes they come, these thoughts come to me. It'll be like something out of the middle. I was prophesying over a guy and I just said, I said, you know, you feel like a guy with only $3 left in your wallet. You just broke as a joke. And, and I started to keep on prophesying. And the Lord just spoke to me. He said, he only has $3 in his wallet. I said, come on. I mean, I was talking to the Lord like that. And I just looked at him and said, I said, do you know how much money you have in your money, in, money in your wallet? He said, no. I said, would you pull it out? Because I think it's actually $3. And this young man opened up his wallet and he pulled out $3 and he goes, he didn't even know it. And there was nothing but $3. And man, the power of God just fell on that meeting. And, and so what I'm saying is, I prophesied it not even knowing it was true. And God, God stopped me in the middle of my prophecy. He said, you're not just saying words. Why do you say $3? I don't know. He said, because that's all he has. He don't know it. Ask him to open his wallet. I did not say, the Lord says there's $3 in your wallet. I know it. He showed me. I'm saying I'm being carried by the wind of the Spirit, and I didn't even know what God was sneaking through my mouth. I'm going to tell you this. You'll say things to people that you think are off comments. I have actually said things that I thought I was joking with somebody, and it was actually true. My wife, she gets freaked out. She said, don't, don't you be laughing or don't you make, make a joke because I, I actually one time said to a person, I have to be very careful how I say this, but I just said, well, that would be like this person doing that. And they actually were. And then later, about a month later, it came out, but they said to me, they said, I really wanted to come to you and I couldn't believe you said it to me, but I just didn't know how to do it. But God was giving them an invitation to get it right. And it all worked out. It was good. But it never occurred to me when I said that it was actually what was actually happening right in the moment. And the person, they almost, if, if it wouldn't have been they were walking, they'd have just fell down, just knocked them over. So don't, this is what I'm saying. Sometimes you're prophetic and you don't even know it. Because that's who he is in us. 